This is a HeadGum Podcast. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. We watched VeggieTales, the toy that saved Christmas, and we're going to talk about it today on Good Christmas Fun. And you can't even wrap this under the tree, but here comes Christmas for me. Do you think you can make God laugh? No. You're a clown if you say Hey. I'm a Christian wife. Big dick energy. Everything. <laughs> White women are notoriously shifty. Well, yeah, she deserves it. You said that I had a laugh with her. Clean up on aisle butt. What are you doing? You're my present this year. Welcome to Good Christian Fun. I'm Kevin. I'm Caroline. Hey, Kevin. Yeah. How many times have you thought about Christine Bransky this week? I mean, more than five. <laughs> Less <laughs> than a million. Say over 10, honestly. Yeah, over 10. I mean, the yes, the me and the girls when the vaccine drops pictures from the mom and me rap party. <laughs> oh my gosh, I was just looking at that. Or she's just like sloppy drunk. That meme rules. Karaoke? And she looks the same. And that was like, you know, you know, 13, 15 years ago. She looks the same. Um, that drop at the end was from, hey, shut up. Don't be mean, <laughs> Caroline. What? It's the truth. <laughs> Caroline so made how, a lewd gesture that I won't communicate to the audience. <laughs> was it lewd? <laughs> uh, he lewd, was nipped rude. and tucked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the drop at the end was from a Folgers commercial, which I encourage everyone to YouTube and, and search for. It's just Folgers brother-sister commercial. And draw your own conclusions. It's become a holiday classic here in the Porter household. I go ahead and discourage that. It just has a counterpoint to Kevin. So if you want to weigh that out on your own personal time, just know that there's someone that's also loudly telling you, do not watch it. You know, and (laughs) again, we'll invoke the spirit of St. Ted Cruz when we say, vote your conscience. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that stuck in my head? The patron. Uh, Good Christmas fun and good Christian fun is a podcast where we talk about Christian pop culture, the music, the movies, and the entertainment made for and made by Christians. We're not here to make fun of you. We're not here to make you go to church, except maybe a little Christmas Eve service, but that's fun. There's reindeer there sometimes. That's a good one. There's candles. We sing all holy night, and we all get COVID from each other. <laughs> this is like a little mini, are Christians okay? And we talked about this, actually not on this podcast, but someone else's podcast, Caroline, but uh, our, our resident uh, recurring character, Kirk Cameron, I almost said Kirk Franklin, very different person. Very Kirk different. Cameron's been hosting some singing protests in honor of Christmas uh, up in uh, in Thousand Oaks, California, saying we're we're in a state now where the governor makes singing. Maybe I'll actually pull it up because it's so bananas. Uh, Wait, but does he go to that church that's like has gone to the Supreme Court trying to keep doing services in person or something no but his ideology is part and parcel with that it's wait okay i do just want to i do just want to play this real quick we had the most amazing time on this last sunday it was protest have you ever sung christmas carols by candlelight at a time where your state governor has prohibited you from doing that in america (laughs) 
in America. <laughs> and then there's a flag waving behind him. Incredible stuff. So Kirk Cameron discovering unprecedented times. <laughs> He's finding out. Turns out there's some uh, growing pains to a new administration, perhaps. Uh, <laughs> That Kirk Do you is think experiencing. that people are really using the word draconian a lot lately when they're talking about things? No, that's a that's a echo chamber. I have not found that to be the case. Okay. Draconian. I've been seeing it like everywhere. Yeah, about Governor Newsom's draconian measures against the population. Whatever. It's just a lot of that word. I've not seen that. Got picked up. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not on those Facebook groups. I guess, but I'm not on Facebook. Go <laughs> tarnish my. Yes, rest you are. Like that. You say you I've need it for tr- your I've work. Been doing a consistent campaign of TikTok only for a long time and you can't throw me back to Facebook like that. You know, Facebook, yeah, little did we know that the guy who made Hot or Not would ruin democracy. What is TikTok <laughs> going to ruin 20 years from now? Like, what is the thing that we're not like? It's just children dancing. It's fun. My relationships. Okay. My sleep. Oh. <laughs> my plans. My Z's. My relationship with Netflix. Actually, maybe that is a competitor. <laughs> um, but uh, we're not here to talk about Netflix or any premium content uh, of a secular nature. We're here to talk about Veggie Tales, the toy that saved Christmas, a CGI oh, yeah. Toy Story, but not Toy right. Story, even though it came out the year after Toy Story. But it's just coincidental. And maybe because toys are very easy to It is to a Toy Story. It is a to- Toy Story. It's not the Toy Story. And it's not, I will say, this is based on the man Buzzsaw Louie. It's not based on the toy. It's based on the man that Buzzsaw Louie is based on. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Wait, no. No, okay. Dan knows a little bit. Is it something like disgusting? <laughs> no. No, no, no. No, well, no this, is a, this is a streaming wars thing where uh, they announced all these new Pixar movies and Marvel movies, and they announced the Buzz Lightyear story or whatever, Buzz Lightyear oh, Origins, yeah. starring uh, Chris Evans instead of Tim Allen. And in a tweet clarifying the nature of the IP, Chris Evans said, and just to be clear, this isn't based on the, on the toy Buzz Lightyear. It's based on the man that the toy is based on. <laughs> <laughs> in a tweet. And it ruled. And it ruled to be here in this like in this current movie landscape where it's like, yeah, oh, that's a movie now. <laughs> and that's a story I gotta hear. Hey, and now let's get uh, a different story going with uh oh my gosh, I lost my voice because I'm so excited to introduce our guest. Oh my lord, friends and folks, he is a writer, he's an actor, and he's the host of a little podcast called podcast called The Back Pew. Everybody give it the hell up for Dan, Dan Oh my goodness. Oh, do you hear oh, that? Wow. Jingle bells oh my lord. Oh, Santa Amy's coming to town. She's <laughs> kissing Dan on the forehead and she's flying oh. away. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Oh, those those jingle bells maybe are mixed too high. <laughs> okay, right here, listen to this. <laughs> Gotta get our little elves on that on that mix. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah. Seems like a Rick Ross. gracious. Hey, good Hi. to see you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm never going to wash my forehead. What a gift <laughs> that kiss was. Yeah, go the anti-Rachel Hollis. Boy, don't ever wash your face. No, I'm, I am keeping that. Thank, what fanfare and pomp. That was wonderful. Thank you That's so what you much. Deserve. A little pomp, but we we do we are stingy on the circumstance. We just give. Yeah, the yeah, pomp. yeah. Well, that's that's okay. I'll I'll take I'll take the pomp. That's fair. That's fair. Wait, had you seen that tweet? The Chris Evans tweet about like it's not the toy; it's the man that the toy was based on. No, but that's probably the best news to come out of twenty twenty. That's <laughs> I, I mean, was it's it awesome. said in? 
was it said in it said in jest or no. is he he's, no I, he is no okay here's what defending. it was I mean, just to get the wording exactly right he tweets out the trailer like you you are to do and he he quote tweets it by saying I don't even have the words which is I'm, I'm sure <laughs> uh, and then the replies and just to be clear this isn't Buzz Lightyear the toy this is the origin story of the human Buzz Lightyear that the toy is based on <laughs> okay so. So in in the Toy Story universe, yeah. there are spacefaring adventurers uh, to the degree that they have toys based on their property and likeness. Evidently. Well, and this is what we're going to find <laughs> out from like the next 30, 40 years of Toy Story IP is like, okay, there's going to be a hand movie where it's ba- played by Babe or something. It's Slinky like, this dog, is about the pig based on a great warrior from the medieval on. times. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll watch all of them on Disney+. Plus. Uh, the Ham DeLorean. The Ham DeLorean. Oh, that'll be a big deal. Big I bet they will probably do like Disney Plus puns. <laughs> Of course, of course show. they will. That'd be great. I would like that. Dan, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Good. It's grief. a really, it's a real treat to be here. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. Long time listener, first time uh, speaker. Hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you've talked back in the now. car, uh, you know, <laughs> from time to time, which we hear from listeners. That's always a great comment when they're like, "I yell at you in my car." Although that happens less often. <laughs> well, Dan, it's... if you're such a fan, what's your favorite drop in the theme song? Oh yeah, prove <laughs> 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 your credentials. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think it's got to be that. Uh, it's got to be the custom one that gets slapped on at the end every single time. Political mm. answer. He knows. Uh, he knows. Interesting. <laughs> Very the last political. One is the best one. Actually, and before clip. before we get into um, into Dan's story and his testimony, I, I think there's something that maybe is worth discussing for the round table. And uh, again, I call John Krasinski because we might have a little <laughs> bit of good news. And I think I think now from now on we should have this drop anytime there's some good news. And here's the drop. We have good news today. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, friends and folks, Selena Gomez has left the Hillsong Church and denounced them. (laughs) She denounced them? No, she just laughed. (laughs) I added the denounce part. So well, what is leaving right now? It's just like you don't check in on the Zoom she, service. Yeah, or she's not. She's not logging in. She quit. <laughs> was she logging in <laughs> yeah. consistently? She's just keeping her camera off <laughs> during, <laughs> during the group time. She's no. not chiming in on the chat. It's wow. a full page six story. So sources wanted it out there for whatever reason. Wow. So like either oh, her team, yeah, or the like Hillsong she wanted team, to make sure people knew. Someone, yeah, someone wanted someone to know. So uh, says Selena Gomez is done with Hillsong Church. Uh, the pop star has moved on in the wake of the cheating scandal with involving involving embattled Pastor Carl Lentz. Uh, Selena considers herself a Christian. Uh, she says she has a close relationship with God, and she believes this is not how God wants us to operate. She's disillusioned. Wow. So at one also, stage, also Haley Baldwin unfollowed Lens on Instagram. Okay, wait, wow. that's surprising that she was following him at all. Give I thought the, him and Bieber had the falling out. Yeah, maybe they wanted to keep it up for like appearances, you know. Hmm. Wow. For wow. branding. This this story is a gift that just keeps on giving. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's it's it. such hot tea. It's just it it's is. the kind of hot tea that Burn like. Your mouth. Ex, ex, or former or recovering Christian kids live for. <laughs> <laughs> 
It really is. Because Hillsong just feels like unbeatable in a lot of ways. Not that I needed it to be beat, I guess, but like it, it's just such a dominating force. It's like the Disney Plus of the Christian It's world, like the I Ellen guess, DeGeneres you know? of uh, <laughs> Mega Yeah, but like, but like evil if you know, like if you know, you know, and it's just like not a good place. And yeah, it's kind of crazy. Oh, we didn't so. even talk about, I sent that article to you, Caroline, but some of the some of the developments, and I'm sure you've seen some of this, Dan, where uh, Carl Lentz is now in rehab and being treated specifically for uh, symptoms of pastoral burnout. Uh, <laughs> it was cited in the article. That's true. And then Tyler Perry is apparently their bros. And Tyler Perry paid the rent of their huge house in Manhattan like Beach. Tens of thousands or wherever they're of dollars, living now. by yeah. the way. So Tyler Perry. Strange what is, bedfellows. What? Very strange. That is, you know... There is something uh, when I was when I was young for a few years I went to New Life Church in Colorado Springs okay. the famed mega church pastor Oh Ted, Ted Haggard, Haggard Mr. Crystal oh. Crystal Lewis Crystal Meth yep <laughs> That's it yeah Chris, Crystal Meth and uh, male companionship in mm-hmm. the Denver area and there was something oh, about I love like, that what, word companionship <laughs> <laughs> makes it sound so gentle Yeah I'm not, I'm, I'm not I, like I'm not going to judge that aspect of it I'm more I'm more critical of the fact that he had a he mega has. church um, but I think there was something about that when that story broke, I was suddenly justified in the fact that I was never really like popular in that youth group. I was like, ah, yeah, yeah. There's this a reason I it. didn't fit in, <clears throat> yeah. you know, and this is why. <laughs> Wait, can I share a recent, um, story along those lines? Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh with respect to anonymity, uh, I will say that, um, I remember when we started this podcast, Caroline, a few years ago, three years ago, I guess, there was a guy in a a church, at a church I used to attend to, who confronted me about how unholy the podcast was and said, what's what's holy and honoring to God about Caroline talking about her hubby's dick or something? Like, he was very specific, and he was very pointed, and and he was like, this isn't holy, man. This isn't blah, 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 blah. I, I wish like, you would okay. talk to me about that. Yeah, listen, <laughs> hey, listen, I, I'm not a, I'm not a hubby dick middleman. Just go yeah. straight to the source <laughs> on that. And so you know, like you know, our relationship was never really the same after that. I don't harbor any resentment towards him, whatever. Um, cut to finding out recently that him his uh, his local business is one of the ones that is protesting Governor Newsom's draconian <gasps> draconian regulations. measures. <laughs> So I'm like, well, and I know it's not at all the same and it shouldn't feel validating, but it is. But it is. It is. It's, you know what? It's validating when someone who hurt you gets hurt. (laughs) That is. He's not even getting hurt is what I'm saying. I'm saying like his ideology is piecemeal with a larger one that I'm fully fine not engaging with in any serious way. I guess that's more what I'm saying. No guilt. So like. I'm I'm the enemy of my enemy. You know what I'm saying? Yes, like, yes. And, by the way, I don't mean to make it a Taylor Swift song. Like, <laughs> I have a nemesis now, <laughs> and he's keeping his business open. Or whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was uh, nice to I, find I'm out. I'm open to talking about Caroline's hubby's dick, if that's a thing that comes up frequently. It's a new segment. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, okay, you know, nice. Thank you for being accepting of that. And uh, I'm sure when Nate listens to this, which he does, he'll feel he'll feel really cozy. He'll feel really <laughs> he will appreciated. feel cozy. Cool. 
Hey, I think that's a second service, but knowing Nate, it's probably a third service too. All right. Hey. <laughs> oh boy. It's okay. It's gonna be a long episode. Well, that's some good news, Selena. I don't wish know. You the I don't best. know Nate, but he he sounds like a great guy. He's great. He He's Nothing to not like about him. Good grief. Nate the Great. Um, but yes, uh, Selena, if you're looking for a new church home, um, I happen to be starting one uh, next week. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll DM you the details on that. Kevin's High Church of Bacons. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> Offering is just a cup of sugar from a neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice. Isn't that sweet? Very uh, cute. Well, Dan, we'd love to hear about your story growing up in the church, your background with it, your testimony. Did you grow up Christian? I I grew up um, fundamentally Christian. Uh, <laughs> I was I was raised a missionary kid in the assemblies of God. So. Mm-hmm. Meaning ch- I, a child of missionaries or yeah, yeah. for missionary work? Just, just we were selected as uh, just babies in incubators, and they, <laughs> they designated this one will be a this deacon. This man this will, one will never be a learn another language. <laughs> uh, no, so my parents were missionaries, so I grew up in uh, Thailand, Cambodia, and Romania. Um, wow. Oh my yeah, lord! Um, among missionary communities, so I, I was raised very, very Christian. But when you describe it, it's like. Uh, because I guess the thing I associate with fundamentalist Christianity is like, it's so sheltered, you lived in a bubble. But then at the same time, you're experiencing all these different, like in theory, all these different cultures. I guess it depends on the context that you were experiencing yeah, them in. That's a great point. I think that it is uh, it is part and parcel. I think it's a little of column A and a little of column B. So I think that you, as a missionary kid, you do get exposed to the rest of the world in a very hands-on, in-your-face kind of way. But... Uh, as my experience, at least I won't speak for, I don't want to be the, uh, the ambassador for every missionary kid in the world, but, um, my experience was within those, uh, within those cultures, I was still within a very Christian culture. Mm -hmm. So like Mm -hmm. still within a bubble of other American missionaries and a mix of, other people doing like foreign relief work, aid relief work, there would be sometimes kids of business families, typically business families can afford to send their kids to the really nice international school in the city you're living in. And right. the missionaries would always go to a school that they ended up having to found themselves. Uh, right. So it was always like, you know, I grew up around other missionary kids in foreign countries. I've heard that called uh, like third culture. Third culture kids. Right? Yep. Yeah. What is that the referring culture, to? Second culture, though, I don't remember. Oh, the first culture is like where. Oh, you should tell him. <laughs> you can take it. No, so, no. So, like, you're you were you were about to be a hundred percent correct. So, first culture is your uh, your home culture. Mm-hmm. Second culture is what they call your host culture, and the third culture is the culture that you inherently build with other people who are living a similar existence. So. A third culture kid is any kid raised outside of their country of origin in a country that is not of their their natural um, birth or uh, ethnicity largely. So it could be a missionary kid like me, an American living overseas, could be a business kid like a Russian kid growing up in, I don't know. Literally anywhere else. Pick a country. Brazil. Military kids and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. So we would all fall under the the branch of TCKs. And then uh, we would at least be the culture that would develop is like, oh, you kind of know how it feels not fitting in where you live and not fitting in when you go back home where you're from. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the third, like the shared space that we have. But it's it's very, very vague and 
almost completely imagined. <laughs> Are there any of <laughs> yeah. those of those kids that you still have any connection with or communication with to this day? Yeah, um, I still have some close missionary kid friends, kids that, oh. you know, it was it was a weird it was a weird dynamic because you would. Um, so obviously, like when I was living in all of my high school years were spent in Romania. So from eighth grade through 12th grade, I lived in Romania. I went to a really small Christian school with like 90 kids total from K through 12. I graduated in a class of eight. Um, we, we would be living in Romania and then over the summer we would have these retreats like Eastern European retreats or all Europe retreats where all the missionary families within the assemblies of God would all come together. And then all of us missionary kids from Belgium and Spain and Italy and wherever else we were all across Europe would like get to hang out for a five days. Wow. And it was a super intense five day bonding period. That where you're sounds like, very intense. Yeah. You are my you best summit. friends. <laughs> that sounds actually really maybe fun too. Oh yeah, it was super fun. Like a good time. There, were, there were parts of it that were super, super fun. And there were parts of it that in hindsight, you look back and you were like, that might have been brainwashing. Trauma. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it sounds we like a good bonding. premise for something I'd like to watch, but not experience. <laughs> Yeah. Were those retreats also in in Europe, or did you come back to America for those kind of retreats? So typically, those retreats would be in Europe. So uh, within the Assemblies of God, which is a massive organization that has missionaries like spanning the globe and mm-hmm. huge. I mean, missionary work is big business, and uh, they have the whole world is broken up into fields. So there's the Eastern European field, Central European field, Southeast Asian field, Asia Pacific, like there's all these greater and larger groupings. And then within a continental field, that would be broken up into regions. So all of the Eastern European families would go and hang out for a week in Greece. And then every every like three years, everybody in Europe would go and hang out in Spain. Wow. Every four years, you and your family had to move back to America to fundraise in order to keep living overseas. And you would live in America for a year. And while you were in America, you would go to a retreat that was for all of the missionaries from around the world who happened to be in America for their year of itinerary. That is such cultural whiplash all the time. (laughs) Every four years to like coincide with election years. (laughs) 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 Everybody's campaigning, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Why yeah, no, it 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 is a little bit of a yeah, I it there is I mean, there's something vaguely political about it. Like you have to go back and run for re-election. Mm-hmm. You've got to yeah. like go, you've got to go and and like you've prove, gotta, like, you know, I made changes and this many souls saved. <laughs> you got, yeah, like you got to show your show your numbers, show your mm-hmm. stats. Like uh, when we were living in Southeast Asia, like my dad used to get so upset with missionaries living in in South America because they would come back. They'd be like, we had a crusade and 500,000 people came to know the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's like, they're already Catholic. Like they're halfway there. Like, we're they were living just in, showing up. Yeah, we're living in Buddhist countries. We're getting nothing. Yeah, they don't have a precedent for that. <laughs> Maybe they do. I don't know. But do you, in retrospect, do you know like why your parents ended up in like in Asia and then in Romania as well? You said yeah. Cambodia and Thailand, right? Yeah, Thailand, yeah. Thailand, my youngest years, and then Cambodia when I was like seven, eight, nine. 
And then we lived in Colorado for a minute, which was a whole other thing. But that's when I went to New Life Church. And Colorado Springs. The strangest culture of all. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That was was a weird one. Um, But... uh, I'm so I'm so sorry. What was the question? Oh, and in <laughs> retrospect, do you know like why your parents ended up? Yeah, were they just placed there, or did they choose like that they wanted? There's to There's some element of go where you're needed, and there's some mm-hmm. element of where do you feel the Lord has called you. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of like my dad's primary passion was working with women and children in trafficking and in extreme poverty. So wow. he always elected to go work in the toughest possible places because he wanted to be where, um, you know, this was the late 80s and early 90s mm-hmm. when he started his missionary career. So international and se- international sexual trafficking was not really known about. As now it's it's a very hot button issue. We're, we're very, very aware of the global problem that it is. Mm-hmm. But in those days, it was it was very, very lurid and very secretive. And not a lot of people knew what a huge business it was for Mm -hmm. Westerners to be fueling this industry in Southeast Asia. So that's how he got involved. He basically was like, I want to do like, what, what does the Lord possibly need? And they were like, we could do somebody fighting this trafficking issue in Southeast Asia. That would be helpful. Wow. So he was like, yeah, I'll go do that. But then that must be, you know, just getting to like the, the then and the now of it, it must be so probably disappointing on some level to see how, even if awareness is up on a on a global or a national level, how politicized and how much misinformation and how much of like a Trojan horse the issue of just trafficking in general is that you can just put anything into and how QAnon can weaponize that and wield that as a weapon and, you know, target isolated white women in the Midwest and the South and get the Wayfair conspiracy theories going. Like, yeah, and then for, a, for someone point. who's like a part of a family who's like genuinely advocated for it in a sincere way for decades prior. Like that's probably very upsetting on some level. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, I mean, I saw the disappointment on my father's face when Taken came out in movie theaters and he was like, well, this is not how we handle this at all. (laughs) I would never tell someone I was going to kill them on the phone (laughs) and find them. Uh, Yeah, it's almost like pop culture can't handle uh, sexual situations very well, can they? The (laughs) nuance. Yeah, that's a great point. I think that in, in some regard, it's great that the the issue and the prevalence of it has come to the forefront and so many more people are aware of it and getting involved and you know there is such a fight against it now um i think what is difficult is that because so many of the preconceptions about it are either about it being it 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 still just feels so foreign to so many people it still feels like such a abstract concept mm-hmm. it's something that might happen like be careful you don't get kidnapped and sold into slavery when you're on that you know that when you're backpacking right. but um i think what what is frustrating is how much more frequent it is for like a a teenage girl to be groomed into a situation just through people that she might know mm-hmm. from school at the mall, like in their social groups. So I think that's the frustrating thing is n- now people are aware of it, but they're not, uh, not everybody is aware of it in, in the reality of the situation. That's, mm-hmm. that's probably frustrating. But he also at this point is, you know, he's a, he's a PhD and he's working with some of the, like he, he's working with people around the world who are who are still doing this work and doing it in a very on the ground kind of way, very culturally engaged way. And uh, you know, they they actually are 
you know, if he's working with people who are doing this work in Kenya, he's working with people that are actually, they are Kenyan. Like they are, they're working in their own communities. They're working among the people that they know and the cultures that they know. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that he's necessarily all that troubled by like the, the media of it. Cause it's just not where his head's at. Mm, yeah. When you were like living abroad and as that kid, like what did you feel like your role was in the family? It's a good question. I think there was a lot of the clown, <laughs> the entertainer. Yeah, you, you gotta turn it on. Kevin and I are projecting. <laughs> no, that is like uh, a clown boy. <laughs> <laughs> that is a hundred percent correct. Really? Because I actually did some clowning as a child. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Caroline, he's a part of the ministry. Yeah, the ministry yeah. of Gosh, clowning. We finally met one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we would do we would do clown ministries. Uh, you know, if you're if you're like trying to do ministry work with like villages in Thailand, and you've got a team of Americans who don't speak <laughs> Thai, you can pull some ribbons out of hats and yeah. you can make some kids laugh, and <laughs> that is the Lord's work. It's also we, like why there's a my mystery too as well as like people can span the language barrier if you're not talking at all you're just acting it out we all come from different races creeds (laughs) colors but there is a universal language that binds us all and it's that circus it's circus (laughs) language (laughs) it is uh it is mime work and human videos (laughs) (laughs) so did you you felt like i am part of the work here like that i also have a job here kind of thing versus just like i'm a kid and my parents are working at this Um, I think like a lot of Christian kids, I did bear some of the responsibility of like, I gotta, I gotta help people not go to hell too. Right. Like that's, that's, that rests on my shoulders too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but I think a, a bigger aspect of it was just, uh, I'm an only child, so I didn't have siblings to share the burden with. So there was a bit of a, uh, I had to like represent the family and Mm -hmm. that was especially, uh, that was especially felt when we would come back to America to do our itineration because, you know, you uh, I would get thrown up on stage and like, why don't you tell a funny story about being a missionary? I, just, I have this like, image of Dan getting trotted out like HW plane vi- view. <laughs> <laughs> so like I, I, I kind of learned on the fly that like, oh. American church audiences really love these kind of traumatic missionary kid stories. They, like, love they them. sort of love oh, yeah. like. It's good business if you can just like go out there and tell a funny story about how you got mugged in Romania. They're like, oh, that's just that's so much fun. Thanks for being here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. And it's like it's kind of like an, ex, you know, quote unquote, exotic thing to hear about, you know, and they're yeah. like, oh, I'm getting my money's worth of like even their kid is getting like. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. My when by the time I was in high school, my dad, uh, he wasn't even being slick about it. He was like, I'm going to I'm going to throw you up for like 10 minutes before me so you can soften this crowd up a little oh bit. Oh, Gosh. Oh my gosh. You're doing like crowd you're doing warm up for your dad yeah. like Jimmy Pardo before coming like, Hey, where are you from? Hey, you look stupid. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. All right. Missionary, missionary. Okay. Oh my gosh. That must have been really hard. It wasn't it wasn't. I mean, I kind of like loved the attention. Like I don't I wish I I like I mean, I guess it would be more respectable to say I didn't really love it, but I had I think I just loved the opportunity to like get up and perform a little bit you know yeah. i mean that's i don't think that i accidentally arrived in los angeles like it's not disconnected <laughs> from from everything i experienced yeah parts parts of it were challenging um but i don't know that that was really the part that i like resented the most yeah <laughs> during yeah. the time 
Yeah. And like in your your faith was a pretty I mean, I don't I know Assemblies of God is a pretty like fundamentalist. Yeah, church. it's charismatic. Like, how much do you, it's charismatic. charismatic. It's charismatic. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So so it's Is that a big part of your faith? Oh, I mean, growing up a hundred percent. I yeah. I started to I started to backslide in college. Like Ooh. that's when I started to, to into go what? my own way. Just out of Stay faith convicted. or out of Assembly of God specifically. Well, I went to an Assemblies of God college um, oh. Oh. because they because they offered me a sweet MK discount. Hey, uh, so <laughs> I yeah I started. That's when like. I had started asking, like, you know, big spiritual questions in high school. I had started kind of digging into it. And I was a pretty curious kid. And I wanted to have complex discussions with my Bible teacher and stuff. And I was also fortunate in that both of my parents, my parents weren't raised Christian. And they came from really, really crazy backgrounds. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, their, their testimonies are wild. So I was raised with these parents who had come to faith very, very naturally for themselves. Like they, they did have really, really powerful experiences with, with something beyond themselves. Like it, and it very legitimately mm-hmm. changed their lives. Yeah. Um, so they were generally pretty open to me asking hard questions and like really trying to get into it. And it was actually my dad who started kind of encouraging me to look at the character of Jesus in the Bible as being this kind of like revolutionary figure. Mm-hmm. Like he's very countercultural, you know, um, it was my dad who was like, they killed him for a reason, you know, that kind of stuff. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's interesting. Maybe he's like, you know, less of the Sunday school version and more of like, this guy's like really kind of an edgy dude. So I got into that pretty young. And then I went to this, uh, this Christian college in America and I was like, well, I don't want, I don't want any part of this. I sort, oh, of, like, really? I sort of dislike all of this. What was, was disillusioning about it? Well, I went to school in the South and I had never been around uh, Southern conservative Christianity. And so it was just the fact that it, it seemed so <laughs> deeply disconnected from the needs of the world. Like it seemed so disconnected from the needs of everything I had grown up around. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like from the get go, I was like, are we reading different books? Like, mm. I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand why, like, it, it was just so pop culture to me. It felt so produced. Mm-hmm. And I, like, didn't know how to wrap my head around that until eventually I was just like, I, I think I'm going to think I'm going to step away from this for a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Growing up, I definitely, you know, like so many Christian kids, I probably got saved like 25 times. Uh, got yeah, baptized sure. a few card. times. Yeah, yeah. Down. <laughs> yeah. Free salvation, the 14th. 10th heaven free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really, I was racking up uh, frequent flyer miles, and um, so I got, I got saved a lot. And um, I think by the time I got to college, there was this thing of like, man, I keep getting saved, and I, it's like not fixing my life. Like it's mm. not fixing me. I still am like kind of a mess. I still have the same temptations. Like I'm still, you know, the the same stuff is still messing with me and I'm still a sinner. Like, isn't my life supposed to transform? Isn't that every testimony I've ever heard? You become a Christian and then your life is transformed overnight by the power yeah. of God. And I was like, this doesn't seem to be taking for me. This, uh, <laughs> this doesn't seem to be catching on. So um, also in college, I, I mean, 
I don't know how deep theologically you you guys want to get into, but I got we get exp- oh, pretty deep to... on this show, actually. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, well... theologically, it's kind of the centerpiece of the show. <laughs> no, but wanna, please take it away. I don't don't, don't bore, worry about being too serious or anything. Yet. No, I think it's interesting. I'm always interested. Yeah. So in college, I got exposed to uh, to Calvinists for the first time. Ooh. Calvinism as a concept, Caroline. Yeah. <laughs> He's familiar. Yeah, and <laughs> they. This whole notion of it, it had never occurred to me that God might actively want to send people to hell. And wow. I was like, yeah, I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. I'm done. Like, I don't even even if your dude exists, I'm not down. I'm not down with it. I'm not cool. I don't want to be chosen. So <laughs> let me just make this decision easy for the big Which guy. Which is the correct response the first time you hear Calvinism instead of like, hmm, I guess I'll just spend five years believing that for no reason. That was you, Caroline? <laughs> yeah. <I'm> like, <laughs> sounds right. You hey, know. Hey, can I else? repeat can I repeat the detail? And this is on second service, I think. Can I repeat the detail that the person that told you about Calvinism first was a Disney adult? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. She drew a dry- diagram in her notebook and it it it's so funny because I remember like accepting as she was talking, but still mentally being like, this don't make a lick of sense to me <laughs> at all. And just being like, but I must be wrong. You know, like I have to, I've got a different. Well, I think that the really disconcerting thing about it for me was how good these guys were at like just reciting the Bible, like from rote memory, which mm-hmm. was never my strong suit. I was not great at like memorizing Bible verses. I was always much more interested in the Bible as sort of like a long stream narrative. I was, I was really, I was really into this idea of like, oh, God's like telling a story with people. Like that's really cool. What are the big themes going on here? You know, I, I really liked that. So this notion of like, well, it says right here, like God will judge who He will judge, and I'm just like, I guess it does. Like, I, I have, I have no argument. Yeah, I'm, I'm 19 years old. <laughs> I can't and, quote uh, something back at you, so clearly you're the correct person in this conversation. Ooh, I hate that. I hate when I can't quote stuff. <laughs> well, and Dan. I'm I'm interested, like, what were you learning when you were at church, you know, abroad versus, like, what you were hearing here as far as, like, the so, Calvinism and all of it all? Yeah, I think the big difference, <laughs> and I it, I did not realize this prior to, to um, moving back to the States, but the Assemblies of God is this interesting, there's a lot of churches like this, but it's this interesting blend of, it's it's fundamentalism and it's fundamentalist Christianity, but it's not like um, like Baptists are very buttoned up, very traditional. Like there's not a lot of raising hands in service. There's not it's it's not real wild. I grew up in wild church services. Mm-hmm. I mean, people were falling out in the spirit. People were prophesying. People would like start shouting out in tongues, and someone else would interpret it. I mean, I grew up in this very like deeply mystical world. Yeah. But it always came back to like we got to check it against scripture. Like that was the that was the fundamental part of it. It's like we have oh, to check right. it against what it actually says in the book. Everything has to come back to the book being the perfect word of God. Mm-hmm. But it still was super mystical. The Holy Spirit mm-hmm. would interact with you on a personal level. He he's speaking into your life. He's telling you like that he's got plans for you, a vision for you. Mm-hmm. So it's really like empowering and kind of intoxicating and ex- exciting. You yeah. know, like 
you have a very, very personal and what feels like a very tangible relationship with God. That's kind of a, a, a cool thing. Yeah. And but, then, but it also um, is like, uh, my thing with it is like, it's just life is actually a story about you and how yes. cool you are and how much God wants to help you, man. All of these Bible stories are somehow about you. They all <laughs> apply to your life perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> this situation you're in is a lion's den. Oh, yeah. It's exactly the same level of danger. <laughs> Everything makes sense. So, yeah, I think you're exactly right. Like it, And I think that... Uh, I, I, you know, as a kid, you don't have any sort of context to sort of deconstruct that. By the time I got to college, I think I had started to deconstruct, like, this just feels very, very me-centered. Everybody's Christianity is just sort of about them. And I just wasn't super interested in that. Yeah. And I had a really, really, I think, like, on a, I mean... I, I wasn't overly scholastic about it. I just couldn't accept that, like, there was a hell and God was stoked to send people there. That just didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, yeah. And it's so uh, this is oversimplifying it, but but like your previous church experience sounds, it was more of like, what's the call to action? You know, like, what are we working on today? Or like, what does God want from me? What's he trying to tell me? Versus which I think a lot of people's like Christian college experience is like, okay, up until this point, I have been very feelings driven and now I need to really dive into the text, you know, and like yeah. intellectualize this whole experience I've had and like what it all means. And then Calvinism offers a really like, you know, succinct, I guess, story for what's going on, even though it's like basically evil. <laughs> yeah. It really seems to appeal. You know what? Calvinism appeals to the same people that are like, kind of sucked into like alt-right YouTube holes. Mm -hmm. Like it's the same kind of, it's it's the same sort of yep. linguistic structure of like, look, this is the unvarnished truth. Like here yes. it is. Yeah, here if it it's is, uncomfortable, like, it's probably true. You know, like, <laughs> This is the stuff they don't want you to know. Yeah. It's right. that kind of thing. And the binary tr truthfully of, of clear winners and losers in life and that those yeah. things are just unimpeachably the roles for the rest of forever the rich are rich and the poor are poor there's nothing to be done about that there's no responsibility or accountability to share or spread anything it's just it is what it is to a degree it's so, yes, it's such a venn diagram of course i know john piper go on go on joe rogan <laughs> <laughs> right <in>. <laughs> <laughs> He's like smoking a blunt with Elon Musk. <laughs> oh man, that would be such fun. I would pay good money to see John Piper toke up a fatty. I would, yeah, to pipe pipe up. I would, pipe yeah, up. I would love for him to just relax for like a minute in his life. You know, That'd be nice. just just the just the audio clip of John Piper just being like. I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know. Now, this is what I was talking about when I said the pleasures of God. <laughs> be a dr dream, a dream. Desiring yeah, so, blood. <laughs> yeah, I think like it. I think what I was raised with, like as a kid, it was just so blisteringly positive. <laughs> like it wasn't. It wasn't necessarily like it wasn't Joel Olstein esque in terms of being like I didn't have any illusions that God wanted me to be rich. Mm -hmm. But it still was just like, God's got a plan for my life, like a plan and a purpose. And 
God loves everybody. I did. I sincerely believe that God loved everybody equally. Yeah. So I started having a really hard time when it was like, well, he loves everybody equally except for like these people. And, you know, that's not their fault. It's just but it that, is like, God, love like, to send them to yeah. hell. You yeah, know, and that's ultimately his prerogative. You know, because like he has to be, uh, he has to be good. And I'm like, that sucks. That sucks really bad. <laughs> it's so yeah, it's, it's funny like, thinking back on how... Um, yeah, like the more intellectual Christians would would talk about pastors who talk about a you know God loves you as like being very soft and like being very yeah avoidant of like the the real truth as you said it or like the unvarnished truth or whatever. But I I now I think about like the best parts of religion are the the parts that are comforting to people and that's the stuff you do need to hear is that God loves you He has a plan for you He loves us all mm-hmm. and like comfort is not a uh, a low um, I don't know, like a uh, virtue in my mind. I mean, not complacent, I, I, I want to be clear, but but comfort, you know, comforting people in their hard lives is, is important. Yeah, and I think that we've just, you know, so much of so much of American Christianity is it has really nothing to do with with Christianity or a spiritual faith. It, it's just American culture, like it's mm-hmm. just individualism and and capitalism, and there's a lot of just being. There's a lot of individual responsibility that gets kind of wrapped up in sort of like theological jargon. Yeah. Wait, and you think in 2020, Dan, Americans have an inappropriate relationship with the idea of individual responsibility and personal? <laughs> I don't. I don't want to bring up anything too a hot topic. Yeah, but, it's uh, pretty out there. But I <laughs> know uh, it's kind of fringe. <laughs> like, I want to know like the degree of transition that you went through in college in the sense mm-hmm. of like if you walked away and then like what the if you can make it like a tidy 3x structure for me real quick just in terms yeah. of the arc of like because because you do have faith now right like you are yeah. would you identify as christian is it important to you for like that word anymore i i, I think that uh i don't know if the word is necessarily important to mm-hmm. me um but it's the easiest shorthand for me to explain kind of my, my current worldview to, to anybody who might ask. And I think that if somebody was a little bit more interested in having like, you know, a nuanced conversation about it, uh, I might be like, I tend to feel like Christianity is the language that I speak. It's the language that I'm the most comfortable with. So when I'm talking about, when I'm talking about the divine or uh, a power beyond myself, I tend to use terms like God. Most of my most of my belief about how to conduct myself as a human being comes from the teachings of Jesus. So all of my language and spiritual understanding is still sort of built around that Judeo-Christianity, but it's just much more mystic and it's much more unorthodox, Mm -hmm. um, much more open. Um, As I've gotten older, you know, some, some, influences of like Eastern teaching has crept in there. I've become much more interested in, you know, the, the Eastern mystics and like the desert fathers who were much closer, you know, after Jesus died and after Christianity had begun to spread before the rise of the Roman empire and the Romans ownership of Christianity, kind of before the mass politicization, politicization of it. Now, nah, you know what? Take three on that word's not worth it. Um, but. <laughs> but basically the desert fathers were, was like what podcasting was before Conan O'Brien entered the now, fight. Now you're getting it. 
now that's the stuff. And now were- the, you know, Princess Megan and Harry have podcasts now and freaking everyone. Uh, Michelle yeah, think, Obama's uh, got a podcast and that's what the Roman Empire is. And there's no difference in this analogy. <laughs> <laughs> Oppressiveness. Um, yeah. So I, I think what does that, I think um, in college, I was just a very, very angry, hurt young dude. I think that I, I, and I think I hadn't come to terms with the fact that while some aspects of my childhood were really great and I'm really grateful for, certain aspects of it were really, really painful. And Mm -hmm. I didn't, because I had been raised a Christian, everybody had just been like, wow, you're a missionary kid. What a huge blessing. What an amazing life you've lived. Like, that's so, that's so exciting. That's so great. Oh, yeah. And so there's probably no room for like grief or, or even like any sort of negative emotion about it. Like, I don't want to say this in a way that is uh, like gauche at all, but there is within the Christian church, there's a little bit of like celebrityism about it. Like in the same way that people are really critical if a celebrity is like, look, this like this attention is really hard. And people are like, oh, cry me a river, you know, that <laughs> there not to the same degree, but, you know. Your picture is pinned to the bulletin board of like churches all yeah. over the yeah, the country. Yeah. You walk into the ch- you walk into a church you've never been to before, and people are like, "Oh, you're you're the Prevet boy." Like I've heard this about you. I've heard this story about you, mm-hmm. and like, so I think I I didn't realize like how much stuff I just had to work through as an adult. Like we all do. We mm-hmm. all have things that we have to we have to sort our sort out, and that's what therapy's for. Um, but I think, yeah, so in college, I was, I was just very, very angry, very, very hurt, really reactionary. So mm-hmm. I really just wanted to rebel and took to took to the sauce pretty hard. Mm, barbecue uh, or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like barbecue hot, so and uh, like Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A like specifically. Chick-fil-A sauce. Yeah. I still take to that a good amount. Good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> took, the effect of that. Took to but the yeah. sauce and to the booze. Um, mm-hmm. And just... All of a sudden, it was like, well, if I'm not going to be a Christian anymore, like, why am I avoiding any of this stuff? Mm-hmm. And so uh, then uh, I moved out to California after college um, and through just some some painful personal life experiences, kind of like hit a little bit of a rock bottom. And, you know, nothing to the point of I'm I'm not I'm I'm not a part of a you know, I'm not in AA. I'm not completely sober. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Hit a, hit a point where it was like, this is my lifestyle is not working. Like this is, this is just like the other lifestyle that I ran mm-hmm. away from. Like mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm trying to be as sure about this as I was trying to be as sure about the lifestyle I left. And I'm not really sure about either. A part of me still wants to be open and still wants to remain hopeful. Mm-hmm. I would like to have some level of faith. I just don't know all of the answers. Like, I don't know. Totally. And uh, so I think that was, you know, in my in my early mid-20s, that was kind of where the, the transition took place. And I was sort of reopened to the idea that there there is a God. There's just no need to put put God in a box. Yeah, and having that, like, firm structure and, and like, foundation or whatever, it doesn't mean your faith is correct or whatever. Like you can just have it. I think also just not needing to feel the pressure to like change hearts and minds. Like I, it was, it was revel. It was a revelation to me that I didn't have to make converts. I could, 
my responsibility was to live my life as best I could and to grow and change and evolve. Like Rob Bell talks about, we, we think of becoming a Christian as being born again, but the spiritual journey is one of being born again and again and again. That really resonated with me mm-hmm. at, a, at a young age because I was like, I, I feel that way. I feel that way of like, I'll be born again and then I'll sort of like fall and stumble and kind of mess up. And I, and, but then I will be born again. I will learn new things. I will become wiser and have new experiences. So it's this kind of this cycle of uh, this cycle of like doubt seeking faith, doubt seeking faith and just kind of letting myself like get into that cycle And realizing that there wasn't a responsibility like I'm transformed and now I have to transform everybody around me Mm, because mm -hmm. uh, I don't think they're going to be eternally punished. (laughs) Yeah, which I feel like every Christian kid felt that to some degree. But I can imagine for a missionary kid where that was like your parents' vocation on some yeah. level, you know, was like especially revolutionary. So ingrained in you, too. Yeah. 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 And responsibility. It's funny that you say, like, Kevin, you say, like, put it in a put it in a clean three act structure, because, I mean, prior to the lockdown, I kind of did. Did I, you actually? I, uh, yeah. So I wrote I wrote a solo show and I produced it and I, I performed it live for a crowd once at the end nice. of February before the world <laughs> shut down. But it was but I heard uh, that it was actually the cause of. That's been my yeah, that's, theory. That's, that's been my the theory. The CDC did trace the outbreak back to that North Hollywood theater. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, like it's too potent. <laughs> Close the economy. Uh, yeah. So I wrote I uh, I wrote this show called Missionary Positions, and uh, <laughs> it's all of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's all about that journey from uh, you know basically a reverse testimony of uh, being a Christian <laughs> yeah. kid and being a Christian kid and losing my way instead of being lost and finding Jesus. So, yeah, that's kind of my experience with spirituality. That's sort of Amazing. where I am, where I am now. Yeah. Open, open and continuing to seek. You know, you're going to have to add a fourth act, you know, which is, which is 2020. And it's just you know, a laptop for hours. Well, yeah. The fourth act is, and then I went on GCF. I realized I want absolutely <laughs> nothing really to do with open. any faith or any spirituality <laughs> at all. That's when I was sure how wrong I was. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Oh, gracious. Rock, real rock bottom. Well, Dan, thanks for sharing your story, by the way. Yeah, so thank you for telling your story. Here. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for giving me the space to. I, I hope it didn't get too NPR-like up no, in here. No, don't but you worry about absolutely it. Absolutely not. Oh, we would, no, we, would we kill for We NPR. freaking love we NPR. Talk, we have we NPR people more. on. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. You're in good company. All right. Well, if you guys want to talk more about the clowning, let me know. We can we can do that all day. Well, second half will be clown town. Yeah, yes. let's get into that. I, I have a feeling the clown will come back to bite. Uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with more good Christmas fun. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, imagine a world, if you will, where you have an extra hour in your day. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to go for a run? Are you going to take a nap? Are you going to read a book? Are you, hey, you know, listeners of this show, are you going to pray? Are you going to perhaps read not only a book, but maybe the good book? Well, a lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what it is that's important to you and to make that a priority. And guess what can help you do that? 
therapy. Therapy can help you find what matters to you. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. And I can attest to this personally. I've been in therapy for 11 years now, and it has helped me tremendously to figure out my priorities, to figure out where my time is going and why, and how to focus on the things I need to focus on and shy away from the things that I actually don't care about, but I just kind of get in autopilot and I'm not feeling and dealing and tuning into my body in real time. Therapy helps with all of that. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash GoodChristianFun today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash GoodChristianFun. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Good Christmas Fun. It's time to dive in to the topic. Come on, let's go. Now, before we get into VeggieTales, Colin, the toy that saved Christmas, Dan, we were talking about other Christian pop culture stuff that possibly we would cover on the podcast. But I want to know for Good Christmas Fun... What sort of like Christian Christmas traditions or if there's like any missionary specific Christmas Christmas traditions that you and your family had growing up that might be unique? You know, I, I was racking my brain and I don't think we had anything that was like specifically off the wall or weird. Hmm. Like it was we had, you know, there were decorations around the house. We would get together. We would gather with the other missionaries on the field. We're for, you know, a meal and festivities. It was pretty standard stuff. I don't even remember there being like any wildly specific, um, like Christian pop culture. I think, I think there were like, I think this is where like my parents, uh, previous to Christianity, the secularism would start to creep in. Cause I think, Uh, I I think my dad just kind of loved Christmas. Like, I think he just, (laughs) he just loved like, we're going to put up the tree and we're going to decorate and it's going to be really special and we're going to spend time as a family and we're going to watch these Christmas movies. But I mean, like, <laughs> I grew up with, uh, I, you know, I grew up with all the classics. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to make a statement right now. And in every, uh, you know, Christian family that's celebrating the holidays, there's nativity families and there's hot chocolate families. Mm. This is like yeah. cat people and dog people. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we were definitely families be like be like <laughs> let's read the whole luke chapter before we do anything today on christmas and hot chocolate families be like it's a christmas story y'all fragile fragile because the leg is fragile because it must be italian Oh, friends, I've Kevin's not a nativity seen a family. Story. That's I've why not, he doesn't. Know. I guess we were a nativity family in that regard. Oh my goodness. Yes, this is <laughs> okay, the Okay, so so that's an important distinction. And it's also possible that because my my upbringing was so Christian, I don't even know it was weird. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Hey, normal I, stuff. Yeah. We did. We prayed for two hours on Christmas Eve, like every family does. We, we would didn't stay do presents because Christ was the greatest gift of all. Uh, yeah, we would hit that midnight Christmas Eve service, and then we would wake up at four a.m. in order to uh, <laughs> to beat ourselves with the Christmas wreaths. For sure. Yeah. Beat so we were a nativity family. We had mm. we had multiple nativities in the house. Multiple nativities. Yeah. There, so there was a there was a very uh, what you might call kind of a casual nativity made of stuffed animals and little stuffed. Uh, there, we had like a little stuffed barn and oh, a little cute. little donkey and oh, sheep. Oh yeah, I had some of these. I don't know what you're little, talking about. Little little stuffed Jesus, little stuffed angel. Yes. But then we also had a. Uh, there was like a a pewter silver nativity thing Ooh, that was like a. It was like an heirloom. Nice one. Yeah, it was From it was Horto. solid. I wasn't yeah. allowed to touch that one. It is very interesting now that it, I mean the the commercialization in Christianity is unbounded, but it is funny like how many fancy nativities there are, and like it's important to have a nativity scene in the house, and if you can have like a nice one, you know that's like a a priceless treasure. I thing. found a Shrek nativity scene. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, good. that's right. I'm, I'm my mother in law has a pretty amazing um, like little action figure nativity scene of just like the toys you get in Happy Meals and stuff. So this this does this does prompt two specific memories. One is that uh, sometimes when I was bored and short of toys, I would take baby Jesus out of the nativity out of his manger and I would fly him around like a superhero. <laughs> Um, cause well, he's he like, he's, kinda, he's like, yeah. And he's like splayed out. He's in like an open arm kind of position. Yeah. With his little legs crossed. Yeah. He's, yes. he's in flying posture. Uh, and they leave the that on. Thing. It's only in the Apocrypha that talks about that. And Wait, does he do that? Cause it's supposed to mirror like how he looked on the cross. Oh my mm, goodness. The Bible I bet it it is. rhymes. Yeah. We just watched Kirk Cameron saving Christmas. So I'm making connections, you know, all over the wow. place with the symbolism. Of Christian. You guys are really doing a lot for Kirk Cameron's career. You guys uh, are unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're kind of like a major tent pole of his business. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we only other... follow him on like all of our c- accounts. That's true. <laughs> on all of our social media accounts, it only follows us two. Like Cameron. whenever I log in to post something on GCF, like I always just see Kirk Cameron like close up face video oh, that he posted. Can for you the day. believe it? Governor Newsom doesn't it's want always us like to an see. assault. <laughs> Uh, the final like specific Christian Christmas thing is that I never had any concept of Santa Claus. Like I, my cut, my, my cousins, um, my cousins were pagans and they like, they actively believed in Santa. Mm -hmm. And I remember at a very young age being like, this is horseshit. Like (laughs) how, how can you believe in this malarkey? <laughs> I remember and they were like, that exact attitude, Dan. At that yeah, that's so funny. But they were they were just like the snake talked to who in the garden, and I was like, look, this that, is ridiculous. Different. Yeah. I said, <laughs> I worship an immortal carpenter, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Santa Claus is done. Some miracles. Yeah, I had a lot more smugness of like. Well, I know something you don't know, dumbass. You know, mm. <laughs> I can't wait to crack your mind open. I mm-hmm. love that. I love that so much. I love the condescension of a child oh, <laughs> towards another. I child. thought I was Anytime. so bright, so bright, <laughs> so smart, so sharp. What if, we had a recent episode where uh, Caroline posited that Santa felt Jewish. <laughs> Wasn't that recently? <laughs> 
I I like I really would like to walk that back um, if I can, but it's it's because I I love the Jewish people. Triple down, much. no triple down. <laughs> well, you're like a, you're like an eighth or sixteenth Jewish yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, it's there. Okay, I'm googling Santa Jewish. Let's see who is what ethnicity is Santa Claus? Well, it says Dutch here. Yeah, um, that makes sense. So Saint Nicholas, like the real. Sinterklaas. Mm-hmm. Sinterklaas. But he could be could be Jewish Dutch. Or maybe he's Bob the Tomato, y'all. He could he's likely Bob the Tomato. Wait, I'm gonna bring it back. Shaking his belly. What uh I know, disgusto. <laughs> some of the some of the like gyrations of the vegetable some, wait, is Caroline getting horned up or something? Okay. <laughs> I see. It does oh, it for me. <laughs> Dan, veggie tales growing up, like was that something that was made available to you when you were, was that just a part of the culture? Was it something you gravitated towards specifically? Yeah. So Veggie Tales, I remember, um, I think I have like rewatching this as an adult was really interesting to me because as a kid, Veggie Tales was like the epitome of cutting edge comedy. Oh, like yeah. I, as, as a young kid, I was like, dude, these silly songs with Larry, like these babies slap, like this yeah. is, and hilarious. Like Larry is a dry wit. Yeah. (laughs) Subversive, critical of modern culture. Larry deserves Um, a seat at the Algonquin table. He does. (laughs) He he should get on the talk show circuit. You know, he'd kill it. (laughs) Uh, I felt the uh, same too of like, oh, it's so meta. It kind of felt like Animaniacs too of like, yeah, if you're a smart kid, like, you know, this is funny. Oh my gosh. Oh me, I'm a clever (laughs) child. I like silly songs with Larry. Trying to adultify it. I don't believe in Santa and I... Fucked with Veggie Tales. Uh, <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, no, Veggie Tales. Because um, I, I, I think that kind of started. I want to say, you know, that was like ninety five, ninety six that they kind of started getting into the market. Yeah, like, or mid, a couple years before. It might have started in ninety four. This one we're talking about today came out in nineteen ninety six. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that was definitely. I was prime age for VeggieTales to break onto the scene. And I remember it being, you know, that was a big day in Sunday school when mm-hmm. they just wheeled in the TV and you got oh to watch VeggieTales. That was on at the house when, you know, at the Christmas dinner when you and the other kids were done at the kids' table and the parents still wanted to keep talking, just throw on some VeggieTales in the kids' bedroom. Well, yeah, well done. I'll be happy as a clam. Yeah, well done children's entertainment is so hard it is such a virtue unto itself to produce something for children that is not condescending that meets them where they're at that has value inherently and vt stands the test of time brother i'll tell you that much sure Um, does did were you both uh both raised with some veggie tales in your lives yeah oh yeah well i i i don't know if you know this but uh caroline is married to larry the cucumber like they did meet and later oh. in life she was yeah. attracted to his celebrity and the one thing led to another she slid to his dms and he responded he just wanted Wait, to be friends i like larry because oh, wow. i'm some sort of star fucker kind of person <laughs> <laughs> that is such a misunderstanding of what i love about larry that it's like so offensive to me <laughs> oh this does bring up a really important thing which is that i have found larry's daughter on tiktok the the voice of larry mike wazowski it's not my his name is. <laughs> close close uh, his daughter has now realized that posting about her dad will get her thousands of likes on oh, tiktok boy. and so she, he it's kind of like a little disturbing but 
That's, is, that feels um, like a bit of a Faustian bargain. Yeah, yeah. And and it's kind of sad because she'll have him like say, God loves you and he loves you every day or whatever. <laughs> and he, like that whole little phrase. He loves just, you like, every day? His grown man mouth. Yeah, Mike Noraki is his name. What's his daughter's name? Claudia uh, Conway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's just say... Larry continues to be a little easy on the eyes. Okay. So the text I, I got from Caroline is turns out Larry's a dilf. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sanitize it for this podcast. Yo, no, Larry's yeah. a little easy on the I'm, eyes. No, I'm, I was trying to be more professional. No, you want to, you want to be intimate with a, a girl's father who is Larry Allie. the cucumber. Ali Naraki. Ali yeah. Naraki shouts out. Uh, he has all this Larry merch in their house too, which was kind of interesting. <laughs> like, I would see the if, Barbara Manatee statue. Now, if I, and I'm who who would who could say and who would know? But if I was of a certain status like that, I don't believe, especially with children, I would keep memorabilia in the home as such. You wouldn't keep it? No, not like that was like, this is the character I brought to life. I, would, I wouldn't I display it. Maybe I would keep it in the garage or something, you know? No, you wouldn't. You'd have a full, well, maybe you wouldn't, but most people would have I, a room. I think it like feels he tacky. Does. He's a cool and normal dilf, and I think you're, you're this character assassination. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> cool I will say it feels like it would be totally appropriate to have like uh, all that stuff in the in the home office. Like that feels fine it to like me. It the Having office, the, yeah. Maybe. And he, like, cre- he co-created the show, you know? It's not like he had a part on it here and there or whatever and, like, stole merchandise. Yeah. What I did think was interesting I'm is yelling. rewatching rewatching this as you an adult. You so defensive, Caroline. <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, yeah. Oh, watching this as an adult, right. Am I... Am I right in believing that this is a little bit of a South Park situation and that it's, like, this, it's two people voicing, like, every voice? It it felt a little bit like, yeah. Well, it's, it's more that. than two people because it's their wives as well. And their wives. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, but they got they got more. I but it is yes, it's multiple voices for a lot yes. of the same characters. Yes, but but yes, and 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 to the point of South Park. Although maybe it's different, but I, I mean, I'm sure I guess it feels like South Park, South Park now. Well, just in the sense like South Park is like famously the animation is so crude. So the turnaround time can be really quick. Whereas these took like a million years to render and animate in 1995. Yeah. Whenever they were, they were like teaching them. themselves how to do it. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. It is interesting. It's also interesting. We talked about before Phil Vischer's pivot into like uh, it's soft, like just a little bit left of center and doing all yeah. these like racial reconciliation videos and in the wake of this summer. And, and I think he, he's trying to care and he's, he's one of the only Christian artists of anything we've ever talked about. Who's like gone to black lives matter protests and has posted stuff there yeah. and, you know, doing that thing. So even that's a little bit interesting. Um, yeah. His pivot. I wonder if they're still making VeggieTales, I wonder if any of that will make it into future iterations. Well, I, di- <laughs> I did see, um, because they are still doing VeggieTales, Dan, <laughs> and, uh, uh, believe it or not. And, and oh the original... like Potato f- Lives Matter. Po- <laughs> this is Caroline. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> they had they yeah, it was a beautiful analog. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing that they did, because I was looking up other Christmas episodes they've done, and they did one last year. I think it was called like the greatest Christmas gift. And Caroline, they did what they said they would never do, and they did depict Jesus no. in the show. And 
the actually I'm gonna I'm gonna mess this up. So, uh, but this is the one that they don't have like creative control. No, over this anymore, is the one right? because no, because they oh. lost it from DreamWorks and they got it back for this new like sort of um, uh, TV and revival. And it's called the best Christmas gift. Uh, so I want to I want to find the quote. So for this episode that aired in 2019, it's called the best Christmas gift. And not to make light of any of this, but it is strange. Uh, Phil Vischer got the idea for the episode as a response to the Sandy Hook shootings that happened in 2012, two weeks before Christmas. Multiple people had taken down their Christmas decorations in response because how could they celebrate Christmas in tough times? It dawned on Phil that the tough times are exactly why Christmas is worth celebrating. (laughs) I don't know why Sandy Hook is that germane to that Mm, uh, Christmas season <laughs> hmm. i mean there's not there's not like a there's not like a mass shooting depicted in so what was the story it was it was just okay the story is bob and larry preparing for their first christmas show in the theater uh it's only when the veggies go back to the very first christmas where times were tough and things didn't always seem to work out that they learned the promise of christmas god is with oh. us <laughs> so mm. This is this is the part of Christmas culture I don't like, you know, where it's just like relentless. And then like, Junior no Asparagus, wait, what. I'm reading on, and then Junior get, Asparagus gets radicalized by a YouTube channel, brings a gun into the theater. <laughs> oh, Bob no, has to tackle no. him. Yeah, it's like very that. sad. Yeah. You don't like that. I'm sorry, Potato Lives Matter. If you don't like that. <laughs> that was funny. Are. Oh, that, okay. If it's funny. <laughs> not talking about the best christmas gift of all uh something i I believe we'll never talk about uh we're talking about the toy that saved (laughs) did y'all watch this when you were kids the toy that saved christmas i thought i didn't and then in watching i was like oh i remember every minute of this really i did yeah Mm -hmm. i I definitely watched this 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 was the i think this was the like the christmas veggie tales that i would have seen for multiple years after it came out also (laughs) i I mean, I remember it, it was it was weird how Pavlovian like the silly song about Santa was. I was like, oh, I, I know this song. This yeah. is buried in my subconscious. Seeing somewhere. the penguins in the factory, I was like, ah, my friends. <laughs> They're yeah. back. I miss them. The penguins kind of rule. I, I love say. the penguins. Like, the, I think they're the best part. Yeah. I wonder if those inspired 321 penguins. That that spinoff show? Did you ever watch that? Yeah, there has to be a connection. I mean, it's the same animators, basically. So probably, yeah, right? They were like, these yeah. kids love these penguins, and they were right. A penguin, oh, there was a dumb fever. Kevin named Kevin. What's that? Did you know there was a dumb penguin named Kevin on Three Two One Penguins? Is that true? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm flattered. The way it intru- they'd all introduce themselves, and then when it came to him, he would go, "Kevin." <laughs> is that true? <laughs> Why is no one? It's strange that this has not come up before. Like, it's strange. Yeah, like when I had the opportunity. Oh, here you go. You're gonna see what Kevin looks like real quick. Why are you making him your virtual background? <laughs> I should. No, I'm just gonna. Well, you're not. Wait, you here. can't make virtual backgrounds on your old ass computer, right? Oh, no, I can't I'm either. On- I'm on I my work either. computer, so I can actually. Oh. I can actually. <laughs> that said, I'm at 2%, so I can't. Uh, oh, no. Wait. Ugh, this stupid chat. Keep talking. You'll get to see Kevin very very soon. <laughs> Keep talking. Oh uh, the music Whoa. in this, besides the Oh Santa song. Oh, oh Santa, which I, uh, to my knowledge, is the only VeggieTales song with a cameo from a man from the IRS. 
in it as well. <laughs> I think peach, so. The IRS peach. I think it's the only time he ever shows that. I think so. And I'm not. I, I'm not too ashamed to admit that. Uh, that actually that actually uh, elicited a real laugh from me. That third that one two three turn oh. actually got a bit of a chuckle from me. Big I time. enjoyed yeah. that. Oh, I here I'll it. play a little snippet of Oceana real quick for to jog the memories. For when you come, only for you. For when you come, because it's Christmas. Caroline, this penguin is atrocious looking. <laughs> <laughs> Your namesake. Aren't you named for him? So would you believe that Vulture has ranked all of the silly songs with Larry? Wow. In order. In the impact. What do you think? Okay, so Dan just took a guess at this. What do you think is number one with a bullet? Um, Probably Hairbrush? No. That's cheeseburger? Ex- that's exactly what I thought. No, Hairbrush or Cheeseburger. Hairbrush is number two. Number one is... Endangered Love, aka Barbara Manatee. Oh, Barbara well, Manatee. I mean, that's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. But they did. Yeah, they do have a little classic. blurb about Osana, and they did. Um, they did interview Naraki for it. They interviewed, you know, Larry oh, himself, and so his his uh, his blurb about it was, "This was inspired by my tax bill that was due this year." <laughs> 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 joining joining in a tradition of songwriters who are pissed off that they have to pay taxes <laughs> like the beatles <laughs> like george taxes. harrison <laughs> like oh yeah did they write tax songs too yeah and tax man and tax then man. uh right. i forget the george harrison one that was about taxes irs <laughs> Wait, you know tax man right yeah i know tax okay man. i don't know tax man uh, this was in the early days of VeggieTales. We were struggling with making payroll and surviving this business. And I was doing freelance work where you get 1099s and you don't pay taxes on them. So I got to the end of the year and I have this huge tax bill. And I was just really gripey with the IRS for having to pay all this money. I drained my bank account basically. And I was like, oh man, I just felt like it was a robbery. So this was directed at the IRS. <laughs> Oh, so he wrote this whole sketch yes. to set it up for the IRS to be the, the worst wanderer. Oh, this is a protest song. Life. That's so funny. <laughs> this is a conservative, it's like a libertarian's protest song where it's like, oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, Gracious. he slams the door on him right away. It's yeah, kind of a, uh, it. it's, it's kind of a wild story that they were living so close to the edge, this deep into VeggieTales. Yeah. Like, yes. Dude, this is the story of VeggieTales. It's like it was it was so successful and it was like never easy. <laughs> like they never were making a lot of money and like the the funniest thing is the thing that kind of really tanked them was Jonah and the Whale. <laughs> the feature film. I want David made. Fincher to write a uh, or direct a movie about the rise and fall of this company. It would be, great. It would be very yeah. compelling. And now, but it's still revived. The so hubris. Maybe, maybe the, they're doing well now. You know. I I think they still don't own it. It's still owned by DreamWorks or whoever. Wow. They just well, get based to, on Mike's house. Let's say he's doing okay. Okay. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> have Caroline, you been there? How do you know? Yeah. Have you? <laughs> what do you? How do you know about his? No, oh, I mean they don't show it that much on the TikTok. You seem to have an intimate We're knowledge of it. That, okay, interesting. Oh, interesting. Right. Are they Canadian? <laughs> wait, are they Wait, why do you say Canada? Because she has a framed photo of like a map behind her and I think it says Canada on it. 
So that's that's interesting. My my girlfriend was watching. Uh, she watched it with me today, having never seen it before, never grown up with Veggie Tales, mm-hmm. and she heard Larry the Cucumber at one point. He just says sorry. Yes, to I caught that too. Yeah. And she was like, "Oh, are they Canadian?" So <laughs> I think you might be onto something. There might be something there, and that might be why it's so nice. Well, Larry the Dilf himself is from Dayton, Ohio. So it right. might be a new resident, but he's just from there. It doesn't mean he don't live there now, you know? He's traveled. Yes. I didn't know that this was going to ruin Larry the Cucumber for me. I might have <laughs> I might have rethought my submission. Right, because now when you hear, oh, where's my hairbrush or, you know, where's my water buffalo, you're just going to picture a young Caroline salivating while watching her yeah. little TV screen. It's happening like, to me. Goodness. Patting her forehead. <laughs> but, you know, it's a basic... Uh, This stands in contrast. Caroline and I were recently on a podcast called The Young Adult Movie Ministry where we rewatched a movie called Saving Christmas starring Kirk Cameron from a couple years Mm -hmm. ago. Which is why it's on our minds. We watched it for this podcast a few years ago. But revisiting it, it has such a bizarre take on Christmas, which is consumerism is good. Gifts are about Jesus. Santa is about Jesus. And just all this weird, almost like conspiracy theory, red yarn on a corkboard QAnon yeah. type. And he's not exaggerating at all, Bridging by the, way. the gaps. No, yeah. no, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm familiar. Okay. <laughs> and this yeah. was, in, in contrast to that, a very, a much more simplified, easy to understand and grasp version of what you would think a Christmas Christian story would be. Everyone's yes. into presents and gifts and materialism in the form of Buzzsaw Louie, which yeah. was, in, and check the credits on this, he was voiced by Louis C.K. And it's redubbed for all the uh, later versions wow. of it because they, Damn. you know, they, they were uh, really interfered with his life that one of his hands was with a buzzsaw, you know? <laughs> Can I take it? Oh, oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't do his work. That is, yeah, yeah that is, that's a, that's a tra- that's like so a Pixar tragic. movie. That's tragic. <laughs> <laughs> I like to do this one thing, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Buzzsaw um, Louie, yeah, and he's, yeah, Buzzsaw Louie is the toy you gotta have. And Christmas is all about presents. The opening song, like it's it's one of those things where I think. The reason this endures, the reason Animaniacs endures, and this is like such a basic observation, but it's just like, I feel like we remember the songs more than the actual stories and or the actual mm-hmm. like imagery. Because the opening song, like, Can't Believe is Christmas, is as good as anything you've it's heard so in any like Christmas type movie. I can't believe it's Christmas. I think I'm finally getting something. Can't believe it's Christmas. I mean, catchy. Like, it's an earworm. I can't believe it's Christmas. Been dreaming of a sugar plump thing. Can't believe it's Christmas. Oh boy, it's finally here. So anyway. Yeah. So fun. No, I I was really, I I haven't had any reason to watch children's programming in any, like, recent, (laughs) in any recent years. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, I wonder if this holds up. Like, I wonder if this is, like, on par with children's programming that is, you know, I don't know what the big ones are right now. There's something about rescue dogs. Am I Peppa behind? Pig. Peppa Pig, I've, which I've never seen. So There's a Paw Patrol. Pig Patrol. Um, pig, pig, uh, piggies pig. in a blanket. Pigs are real up. hot right now. What's that? <laughs> the pigs are the pig, thing. Pigs yeah. are, pigs they, are they are the moment. Huh. Yeah. That's why we're going to get that she ham origin story about the pig that ham yes. was based on. <laughs> the toy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, pigs are funny. Yeah, but the, there's this there's this toy named Bussaw Louie, and it's uh, Mr. Nezer reprising a role. Or it's his brother, wasn't that the Yeah, joke? which yeah. I thought was kind of cool of like the greater evil factory universe mm-hmm. of Veggie Tales. Mm-hmm. We have the Chocolate Factory Nezer brother, and then we have Wally Nezer, who is running this toy factory um, I, I, because I, he grew up poor. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting kind of just out of left field message. <laughs> kind of a throwaway line in there. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, because of the horrible impoverishment I grew up in, I've become this evil megalomaniac. Yes, and just th- show me a small amount of kindness and I will turn myself around. There's a, there's a way in which like the, the crudeness relatively of this like 1996 animation is funny. It's funny, like the herky jerkiness and the like minimal movements and the timing of it. Like, <laughs> it doesn't look bad. I mean, it looks technically bad, I guess, but it's like it communicates everything they want it to. Yeah. The little children in Dinkle Town watching the the commercial <laughs> on the TV. Um, well, and I, like they, so much love was put into like the physical comedy. Like there's like there's like three Stooges level mm-hmm. clownery happening, yeah. <laughs> which which resonated with you. It all comes back you. to clownery. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You, you texted yes. me and said like a single tear rolled down your cheek because you quote unquote felt seen. I, was, I felt known. Yeah. I told you the clown was gonna come back to bite. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, but then, yeah. like, one of the toys is sentient, and he's grimacing on the assembly line. He's like, wait, this sucks. I don't want to be, like, Christmas isn't about this. So he makes a break for it. I did think it was, I did think it was a little bit weird that in a in a world inhabited by vegetables, so, like, anything fruit or vegetable related is is normal. But a, a sentient toy doesn't seem to be a, a part of the universe, but nobody reacts to its sentience. It's like yeah. they didn't have time in the script for it. And also that they're in vegetable world, their toys are people. The to- the toys are people. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. It's not a toy there. like cucumber. It's a toy right. human man. Weird. <laughs> this yeah, is like this we're is getting the into only like human cars that's logic. in the show either, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, like yep. they don't do any other human characters. But this is like the rabbit hole you would go down after watching the Pixar movie Cars where it's like, okay, so the cars are people. <laughs> and they race, and the races are the cars and the people racing. People are their pets, but then like the spectators are other cars. <laughs> so everyone's a car. Everyone's so car. There's no human. Do they ride car? It's yeah. Um, so you could do this all day. I think that's also why I find Buzzsaw Louie like really kind of uncomfortable to listen to. Or oh, and watch. he likes I, that I, you find him uncomfortable. That's kind of the whole thing. <laughs> He's like, like, Buzzsaw Louie. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't I don't like him, you know. I, I like his message. I like the angle he's going for, but I don't like him as a as a character. But that's what's brilliant, Caroline. This is like me, like mansplaining their will be blood. You're not supposed to like Buzzsaw Louie. He's kind of an anti. That's kind of the point. It's like you're disgust. He's like they were successful. Okay, so have you seen Breaking Bad? Kevin, Kevin is defending Buzzsaw Louie the way you defended uh, Guilt the Cucumber. <laughs> <laughs> like Mike Narowski. Yeah. You guys both have your deep, deep defenses of different characters within this we universe. We do. Mind, uh, Caroline's is sincere. Mine's just for goose and giggles. I'm sure we could stumble <laughs> upon one for me that's very sincere yeah. that I would get defensive about Kevin in a way that's... doesn't care about anything. That's uncomfortable. I also... <laughs> I famously am not a fan of anything. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I loved that they gave him a buzzsaw, seemingly just to solve the the plot uh, corner that they wrote themselves <laughs> into. Point. But it's yeah. such a funny, it's such a funny, like, hey, hey kids, there's a buzzsaw on it. Like, it's a good joke. And then, like, yeah, it's the, very funny. The kind of mechanics funny. of it. It is Pixar Us where it's like the thing that's the weakness is actually, no, they're using it to speed up and save Nezer mm-hmm. and stuff. So yeah, so the toy meets the kids and then they do a TV broadcast and he's like, actually, the meaning of Christmas is being together. They go to the mailman's house and learn about the story of Jesus Christ. That's right. He not, just whips, not whips the Bible off the shelf. Whips, yes, yeah. yeah, another weird logic problem. We were like, okay, so then did, in their world, did vegetables write the Bible? And is God also a care? You know? Yeah, yeah and the books my- were de- decided on at the Council of Dicea. Nice. Yes. Nice. <laughs> oh. That was and that's very good. <laughs> oh, that's great. That was really I'm done. Fun. We have to end the podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we always end on a high note. Uh yeah, I like that. I love the I love the tunnel system in the factory as a kid. That made a lot of sense to mm-hmm. me. And I think that's how we should still run businesses now. Is like tun- like tunnel tunnel saw. That's how I imagine like Amazon is, except more like uh, worker violations. <laughs> oh, I'm like I'm old enough to remember when you would go to the bank and you would deposit checks via a tube. Yeah, and a pneumatic tube. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, rock. Or like in Harry Potter, weren't there tubes in Harry Potter? I don't know. Listen, I wasn't allowed to read it. <laughs> Wait, did you not watch the the movies? Uh, yeah. Well, it's like at this point, am I gonna watch them now? I think Am now's I interested? the perfect time. Do I want to become a Harry Potter person like this late in life? <laughs> As so, a Potter adult? Like, no thanks. Someone <laughs> someone on Twitter pointed out that uh, Bruce Springsteen's wife, Patty Scalfo, looks like J.K. Rowling, and it's messing me up a little bit. Oh, yeah, she does. Because yeah. I'm like, wait, is that why he wrote Who the, am I? the Harry Potter song? <laughs> wait, does he? what does he think of J.K.? Like, does he endorse that? I hope not. I think not. <laughs> So anyway, they they learn the meaning of Christmas. They broadcast it. They they turn Nezer around and they save him from death as well. So yeah. pretty straight across the plate stuff. The penguins were yeah. the cutest part for me. So the, cute. The child's reactions to this like grotesque buzzsaw toy were very funny to me. <laughs> and the songs were very funny <laughs> the too. The kids got all whiny. Yeah. Yeah. Great musical numbers. Yeah, yeah. I, it, I thought it really it really held up. The the it was a little bit. I mean. Definitely Deuces Machina with the with the Jesus narrative. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Again, as a kid, nothing about that was even the slightest bit strange to me. <laughs> right. And <laughs> yeah. as a kid, you expected to go to mailman's homes and for them to tell you the, the Jesus story, the birth story in the gospel. <laughs> yeah. What was church like for you mailman. guys? <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I, we need to save the USPS. <laughs> that's right. Or boys in blue. Um, I, I thought it was cool, like watching this now as an adult, too, and realizing that the like the Christian content in VeggieTales is there, but it's not like bludgeoning and it's not, um, I don't know, like questionable. Like it is it's sort of that like comforting level of Christianity, like for kids. And it's not like, hey, kids, like you're a liar. So you should like go to hell or something like that. It's just like God loves you. And Christmas is about giving like just good, like lovely, simple, sweet messages. Yeah, that's, the, yeah. The, I think the, another reason why this holds up is it doesn't feel especially evangelical, you know? No, it's not didactic at all. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the mailman doesn't open up the Bible and say, God's going to send some of you to hell because (laughs) he must. Vessels of wrath. Some of you will be sautéed veggies and some of you (laughs) will be frozen veggies. (sighs) Yeah. Um, But, you know, like, yeah, to Caroline's point, that the sign-off every episode is God made you special and he loves you very much is not, it feels inarguable. You know, like, it just feels... (laughs) Like, it, and that's something that I think a certain kind of Christianity that I was a part of maybe 10 years ago or so, that would have been like, well, there's more to it than that. That's in, that's incomplete. God made a special laza. Well, you got to say the whole gospel. That's not the gospel. Right. And now it's like, that's, that's good. We're good. That's it. That's, that's all you need. Yeah. That's helpful. And mm-hmm. so Rogers adjacent too, right? Fred Rogers. Mm-hmm. Here, yeah. here's here's a question for you for you guys. Yeah. If um, would you uh, if you guys had children, would you let your would you endorse VeggieTales to your children? Hmm. Dan with the hardballs. Excuse Damn. me. Wow. <laughs> Oof. Well, first of all, I don't have to worry about it because um, one of the side effects of the COVID nineteen vaccine is <laughs> infertility. Right. <laughs> nice. No, I heard that's true. Nice. Uh, yeah. So. Looking forward to getting juiced. Hey, listen, I'm sterile like Meryl over here. It's not happening for me. Wow, calling Meryl out. (laughs) Sterile Meryl. Yeah, I'm Um, saying sterile now in her (laughs) 70s. That's such a good question because I, yeah, at this point, I don't even know, like, if I would raise my children religious or anything, if I had them, but, uh, but man, the comedy is so good that I think that would provide some value to their little lives. Yeah. But it would not be it would not be top of list. There would be other things top of list as far as children's programming go. I yeah. bet that I would want to show them first. But and there's it, a lot of good children's programming that t- teaches them about values, yeah, you know, and giving and caring for people. Yeah, I would show them Animaniacs for the music. But you know, like I do think, may would VeggieTales make the top ten of like if I had to make a list for this? Is the reason I. Have children is like so we can watch stuff together <laughs> have you guys um checked out my spotify playlist yet <laughs> shut up <laughs> i no. i'll make you a playlist i know like just tell me your three favorite It'll genres just be an intro to bruce yeah uh, we'll start there <laughs> good grief oh to be seen like Share that so yeah i think i think the there'd be other things that i, I would i would yeah. show them first what but, about you dan but if, you? if someone like if a friend of mine showed it to them at their house i'd be like great Oh, awesome. Yeah. I wouldn't be like mad. I would like be I would upset. be maybe about yeah, yeah. some children's entertainment. Yes. Yeah. Like Paw yeah. Patrol. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Paw Patrol. Um, I think I I think I would I would show them all of the silly songs with Larry because I want yeah. them to have that foundation of comedy. They gotta know yes. how jokes work. Yeah. Um, yes. But I think uh yeah, some of the it was interesting watching this with my girlfriend because she did not grow up in the community. So having an outside perspective, because she was like, wow, this is this is real, just hardcore. And I was like, is it? It seems so so genteel to me. <laughs> That's so <laughs> and, funny after I went on about how not hardcore it is. Yeah. I'm like, this is so polite. <laughs> so I think I uh, I think. Yeah, prob- I, uh, like would it make top ten? Yeah, maybe it'd be it'd be in that nine or ten spot, maybe. Mm. But but yeah, it's not. It's probably not. Yeah, not the way I think you'd make a good point it. about the Larry songs being. Oh, absolutely. Like, just play them a YouTube, you know, like playlist of that, and let them enjoy that and know those songs. No, it's but help them a lot. As life. for me, I'm gonna teach my children about comedy by. 
playing them the first season of Saturday Night Live from 1975. <laughs> all the sketches are very long, kind of boring, and not at all funny. <laughs> they got to have a foundation. Well, yeah. I, is it time to rate it? I think we should give our rating and ranking, yeah. right? Okay. Let's well, do it. Well, the way this works, Dan, is we're going to give it a holy toast or a holy roast. Holy toast. We send the veggies to heaven. Holy roast is when we put them on the skillet and saute them. Send them to hell. Uh, And we start, as per usual, with Caroline. Well, surprise, surprise, surprise. It's a toast from me, my friends. I love this concept. I love this show. And yeah, uh, I think the silly song is probably the best part. I also really like uh, sort of the the overarching narrative that the network execs are going to be watching this show because this made it to TV somehow. And uh, Oh yeah, we didn't they, talk about that. It's the framing device. I, I think it's because they... Um, uh, they I'm actually sorry. did broadcast Yeah, it, sorry right? to interrupt you. Like They released it as a video, then they put it out on TV, That's but then right. they had to pad it out for the hour. Which, by the way, they redid the anima- animation because it was so crappy looking to begin oh, with. Oh, that's why. Okay. Yeah, and it was also just weird of like, why would they have a, a Christmas spectacular where they show a movie in the middle of yeah, it? Yeah, that was that just was the YouTube show. one we watched. But that. I just thought it was funny that, were, that uh, at the end they were like, oh, the network execs ended up watching a different movie and then the the old P is just like, eh, maybe it's better that way. <laughs> that's, just, that's just that classic VeggieTales humor I love to hear. So, oh, yeah. holy toast. All right, we turn to Dan. I I think I'm going to give it a holy toast. Um, I think solid, some nice, some funny bits in it. I loved the P trying to read the prompter and then saying he doesn't have eyes. Uh, <laughs> solid, solid stuff. Yeah, it's it a toast from me. Oh, yeah. Uh, what a light toast from me as well. With no nostalgic attachment. I may have watched it once, but this wasn't like embedded in my soul. Oh, this was new for you. From childhood. Kinda. Yeah, it was kinda new. So I could have a, I could actually have an objective perspective while yeah. analyzing the A real audience surrogate. <laughs> <laughs> Say that like a nine hundred number. oh gracious but yeah always a good time with these veggies but we're not the final word you can go to at christian fun pot on twitter give it a roast or toast yourself get out there and pokemon go to the polls we did it we did it joe (laughs) oh we did it dan we did it caroline and now we're dimming the lights a little bit and we're lighting the candles. and Wait, what's that? Nothing. You said you don't like when I do that? Hey, do you want to be yeah. a little more positive and building up? Do you want to lift me up <laughs> instead of tearing me down? I right really now, like it when your lights are on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm really into this. All right, Thank well, you, you got a little... You got a I immediately... I Something happened in me, and I immediately was like, I'm going to become a Christian tonight. Whoa. Like, I, hey, time number 26 coming up, buddy. Make the altar Salvation. call and I'm there. <laughs> this time it's going to stick. This time it's personal. Uh, the way this works, Dan, is on other shows you might plug yourself or promote your projects, but we're not here to do that. We're here to lift them up to the Lord and something maybe you're enjoying in the secular culture. And we start, as per usual, with Caroline Ely. Lift me up to the Lord, especially when you gather around for your nativity prayer at Caroline's Farts. And uh, something I've been enjoying as a nice bit of escapist fun mystery TV is The Flight Attendant on HBO Max. It's very fun. 
Who knew I would like Kaylee Cuckoo so much? Kaylee Cuckoo? Oh. Kaylee Cuckoo. <laughs> Kaylee Cuckoo. I think she really pulls it off. It's it's really fun to watch her. She pulls it off, folks. <laughs> the flight attendant. She pulls it off. She pulls it off. <laughs> a soaring okay. endorsement. Uh, yes. a, a, um, another uh, endorsement of the streaming service from a Maxinista herself. A Maxinista. Check the receipts. All right. We turn it to Dan. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Dan Prevet. Um, is it okay? I would like to lift up two things if that's okay. Whatever you want. Okay. Double lift up. Well, that's fine. But next time you come on the show, you can't lift something up. You'll have already used okay. it. Okay. I'll take the trade. Okay. I'll take that's the fine. trade. That's fine. Um, I would like to lift up. So first of all, uh, uh, the podcast, The Back Pew, hosted by my good friend Colton and I. Um, and Colton's got a new project that he's just put out. If you are into the Enneagram, as so many people are these days, he's releasing all kinds of really awesome content on the Enneagram under the title, uh, You've Got a Type. So if you look up You've Got a Type, you're going to find fresh YouTube videos. You're going to find wow. he's got a, he's got an Instagram page. He's got YouTube stuff. So give that a look from the secular world specifically. Wow. I want to lift up the Amazon. Um, oh, I always I keep calling it Amazon Plus, And I've been told over and over again <laughs> that's incorrect. Whoa, you got the Amazon Plus subscription? Holy shit. Yeah, it's Which is expensive. That? <laughs> you get a factory um, worker. They come to your house yeah. and you can do whatever you want to them. <laughs> yeah, they act out movies. Um, <laughs> the Amazon Prime original film Sound of Metal is oh, yeah, fantastic. Baby. Oh, yeah. I'm going to lift that up. That's a Riz that's Ahmed a movie about movie. a drummer who loses his hearing. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's getting raised it's a, right now. It's a serious watch, but it is beautiful and really, really good. Okay. Ooh, okay. All right, good lift Check up. Thank up. you, Dan. Uh, you can lift me up at Kevin T. Porter everywhere. And uh, you can lift up, uh, you know, lift up, um, you know, How To With John, uh, John Wilson on HBO, I do find to be quite a quite a lovely watch in a very there was a headline that said he's the anti-borat which i thought was an interesting take on it yeah. and just in terms it of so good of how he integrates very sincere and like a surprisingly sweet uh humane and human show so mm-hmm. I, I i like mm-hmm. that as a watch um i was going to lift that up but i wanted to leave something for you kev is that true it's true <laughs> You, you're like, well, I'll I was let like, him. Well, we're both gonna do it, so I'll let Kevin have one. I was expecting it's, you to do it, and I was I gonna feel lift like it's, up the it's flight more Kevin attendant. Core in general. <laughs> it's nice. It's nice to see you guys come back together after your Veggie Tales divide. Yeah, Dan, the, could, uh, please don't bring that up. I don't want to. I'm okay. Triggered. Okay. <laughs> like, we, can I'm we right not? Can we not? I'm ready to fight. Um. And you can lift us up at Christian Fun Pod everywhere. Go to patreon.com slash goodchristianfun for more good Christian fun every week. And you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And every review you leave, we donate a dollar to charity. This month's charity is the Okra Project. Uh, <laughs> okra, that's Rob Bell's friend. Um, that's right. <laughs> uh, Dan, thank you so much for joining us, sir, on the show. Thank you for hey, having me. What Thanks a for talking with us. It was such a pleasure. Thing. Thank you so much. It was my honor hey wow. you're a missionary let's just say mission accomplished sir all right go ahead and put some money in the plate as it comes around so my family can keep surviving and there's nothing left to say except for in all of pods people said 
Amen. Amen. Now, folks, to close us out, we could do a VeggieTales uh, Christmas song. I got Feliz Navidad, uh, <laughs> Away in a Manger, or What Child Is This? What do you want to hear? <clears throat> or the first Noel. I'm going to say Dan's Choice. Dan's Choice. I say uh, Feliz Navidad. Okay. Yes. Now, it's keep in mind, one. it's Larry singing it. So, is this insensitive? Oh, easy, Caroline. Easy. Anything Larry does is fine. <laughs> I'm imagining the emoji that Caroline is turning into right now. It's the red face, which is like, oh. <laughs> Oh, my Lord. All right, we'll see you next week. Feliz Goodbye. Navidad. Bye. Merry Christmas. Feliz Happy holidays. Holy That was a headgum podcast.